Welcome to Word on the Street, a weekly podcast from Barclays UK, where our experts help ordinary investors make sense of the latest news and events impacting the world's financial markets. This week, we discuss how investor sentiment has been affected by the economic shutdown, the rise of the Delta variant and the prospects for easing restrictions. With Nikki Eggers, Head of Investments, Alina Lobacheva, Portfolio Manager, and Will Hobbs, Chief Investment Officer. To find out about starting your investing journey with Barclays, visit barclays.co.uk forward slash investments. Hello, welcome to another edition of Word on the Street. And this week, I'm joined, as usual, by Will to represent the CIO team's views on the world. So hi, hi, Will, how are you doing? Hello, hello, Nikki. Happy Thursday, nearly Friday. <laughs> and Will and I are joined this week by one of our senior portfolio managers, Alina Lobacheva. And Alina is going to bring some of that specialist expertise that we like to impart with you to help us understand a bit more what our clients are thinking and how Alina and her colleagues are responding to that. So hi, Alina, how are you? Hi, Nikki. Very well, thank you. Brilliant. So, Will, let's let's start off. What's been going on over the last week other than perhaps football, which feel free to talk about. Um, you may have some expertise there, but I suspect other podcasts may have covered that off already. Yes, I'm not going to do the football. I think it's, yeah, there's not much to talk about from an English, <laughs> from an English person's perspective, is there? But yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the focus outside of football and rugby and cricket, there's an awful lot of support at the moment, but uh, well, a lot of the focus at the moment, uh, as we've talked about before, is the kind of rapid spread of the Delta variant and how that should influence our forecasts uh, for the global economic recovery. Okay. And I guess, you know, with respect to the Delta variant, as you say, we're seeing the cases rise. The, the UK is quite a interesting test case with regards to the economic effects of, of dealing with this next wave. Yes, I mean, I think that's correct. I mean, the UK is really important here in this assessment as Delta strain now accounts for, I mean, literally the overwhelming majority of the new um, new cases in this country. Now, so far, we continue to see kind of a yawning gap opening up between new cases and hospitalizations and deaths in the right direction. And experts are suggesting that there are a couple of conclusions that could be drawn from this and the surrounding data. Basically, the vaccine wall is, is holding. Incoming evidence shows that the current crop of vaccines are working to prevent severe disease, even if they are having a more modest effect on uh, uh, transmission. And, and the second point is really that the current wave of infections is much more focused on younger generations versus uh, versus previous waves. So I think the point here is that the UK is an interesting test case for those countries that are well into this, uh, you know, their vaccination, respective vaccination campaigns, um, and have long since taken their more vulnerable populations out of harm's way. Uh, UK, much of Europe, the US, I mean, in, in the UK, I think in the over 50 category, 95, 96% of people have now been vaccinated. However, we are already seeing the effects Delta is having on those populations that have lower vaccination rates like Russia and South Africa. And, and actually, you're seeing that in the UK in the unvaccinated population. The Delta strain is already extracting quite a toll already. And so because of that extra, you know, transmissibility as well, those countries running zero COVID strategies like China and Australia, that's proving potentially extra challenging as well. So, you know, market pricing has been adjusting as a result of all of this. Um, you know, EM assets we've seen struggle a bit when a bid for, you know, some safe havens has re-emerged in amongst all of this. Okay. And Lena, it would be really interesting to hear because obviously you're, you're market watching uh, all day, every day. Are you seeing 
adjustments to investor expectations based on how the economy and populations, etc. are adjusting to the fact that we've got this swathe of Delta variant making its way through, as Will says, the unvaccinated pockets. Sure. And, and, and we obviously have some data on flows. So uh, what's very obvious is that investor sentiment has been positive since the start of the vaccine rollout. And this has led to record equity market inflows this year. So, you know, despite the, the concerns about the de- Delta variant, uh, people have still been uh, buying equities. And interestingly, all types of investors, so both retail and institutional, have, have increased their equity positioning. The first quarter of the year was all about the reflationary trade, as you know, uh, and we saw investors closing out some of their underweight positions across cyclical sectors. But more recently, sentiment and investor interest has shifted back to more defensive and higher quality names. And I think that's partly in response to to those additional risks uh, from obviously the Delta variant, but but also the US Fed talking a bit more about, I suppose, the need to think about tapering at some point in the future. So more recently, flows into financials, materials and industrials have either, either slowed or turned negative. But technology saw inflows after several weaker months and healthcare names as well uh, have come back in, in favour. So from here, I think it would be quite unsurprising to see some profit taking from risk assets, but nothing too drastic. Uh, equity flows tend to be quite correlated with economic activity indicators, but there is a bit of a lag. So as we see PMIs peak, uh, growth and earnings momentum will inevitably slow. But at the same time, earnings fundamentals should remain attractive. And that combined with increasing share buybacks should support interest in the equity asset class. Another thing to be aware of is is that on the institutional side, cash and bond allocations are still relatively high. So this leaves room for further additions to equity markets. Just a few words on the other asset classes. So outside of equities, we saw steady inflows into bonds throughout the year, with the exception of high yield, which is, which is unsurprising, really, uh, you know, spreads have narrowed quite quite significantly and are now back at pre-pandemic levels. So, so obviously, this asset class has become less attractive than it was about a year ago. Index-linked securities as well were more popular than nominal bonds in the first quarter of the year, but, but more recently, inflation fears have become less acute. So we've seen less demand for inflation hedging in the second quarter. That's that's really interesting. And just just for maybe some of our listeners that are less fluent in market speak or economic speak. So you mentioned there about economic activity indicators, one of them being the PMI, which is the purchasing managers index, I believe. But maybe if if you will, don't mind just giving a little insight into what that tends to tell us or the market. These tend to be the a good way of taking the pulse of the global economy. So there are surveys where various companies survey various individuals within companies about the current state of play within things like employment, stock, you know, inventories, new orders, all those kind of things. Those those answers are collated at the regional level and they are sort of distilled into a number which tells you whether the manufacturing sector or the services sector is kind of an expansion, contraction or somewhere in between. And some of the sort of more, you know, just to give you even more boring chapter and verse on it, within some are longer running than others, so contain greater degrees of statistical significance. And actually, I think, you know, more interestingly, maybe that some of these indicators have almost been superseded by the real time uh, data that has become so prevalent that we've seen in uh, in this, uh, this particular crisis. But anyway, as an aside. <laughs> Interesting. So, well, we heard there from Elena around how the sands have shifted somewhat during the course of the first half of this year mm-hmm. around 
which areas have tended to be more popular than others in different asset classes. So what about you and the team? You know, you're in charge of considering adjustments to our overall positioning. What, what are you guys thinking about or looking for or at as we go into firmly into the second half of this year? Well, I mean, I think there's some interesting questions being asked by markets at the moment, which we're sort of, you know, looking into what we think the answers are. I think you're already seeing improving vaccine distribution in some emerging markets, and some are arguing that this is where there's the biggest potential to positively surprise the most delta, no pun intended. But I think that, you know, what you are seeing from delta as in the COVID strain does hint at the variant threat we are going to continue to face for the next year and beyond. And as we've spoken before, it's clear that parts of the world economy are in process of peaking growth-wise. Um, however, what does lie on the other side of that peak is still pretty brisk expansion, aided you know, still by that very different consensus on policy uh, from the world's um, the world's government. So, you know, it, it's it's an interesting outlook at the moment. And as like I say, there's plenty of questions that the markets are answering, and we're sort of uh, you know we're quite lightly positioned at the moment. So there's not the sort of the strong conviction that tilts that we had, say, uh, you know, in March last year. Um, but that's no, uh, you know, the, the team's working no less hard, obviously, to look for those opportunities. And Alina, I know, I know you follow the corporate earnings season very closely. Does this tally from what you're hearing directly from companies that, that you're speaking to or, or observing? Uh, yes, definitely. So, during the previous earnings season, we already saw evidence of a broader pickup in activity and sectors that were worst hit by the pandemic started to recover. Now, now this wasn't uh, without certain challenges, of course. Lengthy lockdown periods led to pent-up demand for certain products and some businesses talked about the supply chain issues that they were experiencing. So, for, for example, some talked about difficulties in sourcing materials and also there were a number of logistical hurdles to overcome. But on the positive side, we did see clear evidence of an increase in consumer spending, and that then translated into decent growth numbers overall. Now, the Q2 earnings season is only just starting, and the headline growth figures are expected to be very high. But I have to caution here that headline figures in this kind of environment are perhaps of limited use, because obviously the comparison will be against the second quarter of last year, and that was a very difficult period right in the middle of the pandemic. So, Basically, the growth figures that we're seeing now are very low base. The only thing we can really take away from another set of high growth figures is that the economic environment continues to improve. What will be more interesting, I think, is, is the company level commentary about trading conditions and any cost pressures that may be coming through. So you know, during the previous earnings season, some businesses already talked about wage and commodity price inflation. And this is definitely something to keep an eye on. Some businesses will be more exposed to this than others. Um, but I think it's fair to say that, that pricing power will definitely become an increasingly important attribute going forward. Yeah, well, it'll be really interesting to see what the outcome is. And perhaps we can get you back, Alina, to share that with us in future weeks. So thank you, Will. Thank you, Alina. And thank you to our listeners and subscribers. Do please keep coming back to us with any thoughts, ideas, or Will always is, is happy to take abuse, as he puts it on LinkedIn. <laughs> um, happy but, of the word, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we wish you a very good week ahead and fingers crossed that perhaps the weather improves as well for, for everybody, not, not least because most people are staycationing. So with that, we will speak to you again next week. All investments can fall as well as rise in value. 
and their past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance. This podcast is not a personal investment recommendation.